Okay, well, if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, 17 through to 19, you'll see in these few verses from Hebrews that we have a very brief account of the time that God tested Abraham's faith. And what you've got to realize is the first readers of this letter would have been very familiar with the details of the passage that we read in Genesis chapter 22. Abraham, they saw Abraham as being their, their father. He was the father of their nation. That's what God promised. And these are Jewish believers who are now reading the book of Hebrews and they're reading about Abraham. And what the writer to Hebrews here wants them and us to see is the sacrifice, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. That's the importance. That's what's in this passage in Genesis 22. That's what the writer to Hebrews is bringing the spotlight in, shining it down onto this passage. You know, um, Abba sing that song, Super Trooper. Do you know what a Super Trooper is? The Super Trooper is the great big spotlight that they have in a theater. And then what happens is, the lighting engineers will bring that super trooper and they will shine that light onto the person in center stage. And it's just a big circle of light and only them in the center. So when you hear that song, super trooper, that's the super trooper. That the super trooper shine on me. And the super trooper of God is shining on this verse in Hebrews. And it's shining on Abraham. And we're seeing him in his true light and seeing the truth of what is being said here. The fact that the Lord asked Abraham to kill his son. Let me read those verses from Hebrews 11 while you think about that. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice he who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Abraham embraced the promise. He took the promise to heart. He drew it close to him, the promise that God had given to him. Even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. This fact that the Lord asked Abraham to kill his son is shocking. It is. It's shocking. It's awful. And that means that we want to question him. This is terrible. And that very fact comes to mind for us. It needs to be questioned. You know, Rudyard Kipping, the author, he was also a journalist. That was his trade, Rudyard Kipling. He wrote poems, and he wrote a poem that is called The Elephant's Child. Now, you can look up this poem, and there's a great meaning behind it, and there's a great personal meaning behind it. 
But I just want to share with you a few lines. This is what he says in this poem, The Eloquent Child. I keep six honest serving men. They taught me all I knew. Their names were what and why and when and how and where and who. Get that. That's great, isn't it? These six serving men that teach us all we know. And what are they? The questions. Questions about what? About what, why, where, when, how, who? All these things that we need to know. And Kipling knew the importance, as a journalist, of needing to ask questions to get to the truth. That was his job. So, how about this? One. How could God ask Abraham to do something that is totally against the principles that the Lord asks his people to do? How could he do that? How could God ask someone to do something which is totally against the principles that he's telling everybody not to do? People around the different nations have child sacrifices. Scripture teaches us that's not right. And God is asking Abraham to kill his son. Number two, why would Abraham consent to do what God wanted him to do? Think about that. He's only a man like you and I. He, 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 he's susceptible to our feelings, our emotions. And thirdly, What's the whole point of it all? Where's it going? Number one, how could God ask Abraham to do something that no one else would do? In fact, he would never ever ask anybody to do this. And he never did ask anybody to do this. And he never will ask anybody to do this. But he asked Abraham. It was a one-off thing so don't start to think oh is God going to ask me to do something no he's not this is a one-off thing and the Lord prepared Abraham read about his life read about the trials and the tests he went through read about the times he failed and then he picked himself up and the Lord led him on and the Lord brought him back and how the Lord worked through his life he was going to be the father of the nation Israel who would bring the Messiah and through the Messiah other lives would be changed and we like the children's chorus can sometimes think, sing Father Abraham I've heard sons yeah and I am one of them and so will you so let's all praise the Lord yeah, yeah. This is Abraham. The Lord had prepared Abraham. He called Abraham. Abraham followed. He followed the Lord who promised him that he would have descendants that would outnumber the stars in the sky. Yeah. There's more. The Lord miraculously blessed Abraham and his wife Sarah. Blessed them with a son when they were both way beyond the age of conception. The Lord knew enough about Abraham to know that he could ask him to do what he would never ask anybody else to do. Get that? 
That's a big thing, isn't it? He's going to ask him to do something that he will never ever ask anybody else to do. Number two. Why would Abraham consent to God's request? Would you? Would I? No. Why would Abraham? The bottom line is Abraham trusted God. He trusted that God would give him a land, a land that he would never see. Get that? He would never see this land. He would go into the land, but he would not fully occupy it. It would be his land. It would be for God's people, but Abraham would not see that. Abraham had seen the impossible. God gave him and Sarah a son. Abraham had faith and confidence. Now get this, and you'll see the link to Hebrews, okay? Listen carefully. Abraham had faith and confidence in what he hoped for and the assurance about what he did not see. Get that? That's faith. As told to us by the writer of the Hebrews. At the time of Abraham, get hold of this fact. The thought of a dead person being resurrected would have been unknown. We have no records prior to this of the dead coming back to life. Right? So Abraham wouldn't have ever seen this happen. Abraham would not naturally, with his own mind, think that this could happen. But Abraham's faith was in the power of the resurrection. He'd never seen it. But his faith was in the power of the resurrection, and it was his faith that led him to take, and get the language here, it's important, to take his only son, the son he loved, and prepare him as an offering, knowing what? Knowing that God had the power to do something he'd never done before, and Abraham had never seen it or heard of it. But God had the power to bring Isaac back to life. His faith was in the resurrection. Scripture tells us that. Paul wrote to the Galatians. I'm going to quote a few verses from Galatians chapter 3, verse 7 through to 9. This is what Paul said. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. God announced the gospel before it happened to Abraham. How did he do that? That's what we're looking at this morning. This is Paul's words. By faith, announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. 
All nations will be blessed through you. So he said to Abraham. So those who rely on faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. That's Paul. It was Abraham's faith in the promise of the resurrection and the certainty of his final home in a city of one whose architect and builder is God. And if we know Jesus as our Saviour, this is what our faith is in, that same gospel that was being revealed to Abraham on that mountaintop. The good news announced to us as an illustration of the perfect sacrifice and also that God himself would provide a lamb. The words of John the Baptist, what did he say? Behold, the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. This is the good news. Let's go to Abraham. Do you think Abraham internally, right, this is internally, like we, we think, we don't share this, we don't, don't tell people, this is, how are you today? I'm fine. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Okay, internally, what's going on? Do you think he asked the question, <coughs> why is this happening? Why? I, I, and, and why is it happening to me? And as he's thinking these thoughts, and he's in this mental turmoil, maybe physical turmoil, maybe he's shaking. No, he can't settle, maybe, you know, this is a big thing. But he, he, he sort of comes up with, how, how can I have descendants? Because that's what God promised. How can I have descendants? If Isaac is dead, I can't. It's impossible. And then you think, but God is the God of the impossible. Isaac is here. And all the things as he goes through his life, God is the God of the impossible. God has done and God has always been there. The request from God, I'm going to say this and I think it's true, it doesn't seem to make sense. Isaac is part of the future promise. If he dies, how can the promise be fulfilled? Abraham's heart must have been breaking. Anticipating the loss of his son and for him having to do it, his head must have been spinning. And you know what? He can't tell anybody else about it. He can't even tell Sarah. He can't go to somebody else. It's all here and here. And it's his responsibility. And it's no one else's. And he's dealing with it. How hard is that? But here's the thing, Abraham didn't ask the Lord for an explanation. It's all here. Why? But I'm going to trust, I don't know how, but he will do it. But he didn't say to God, okay Lord, how are you going to do it? He didn't ask, and God hadn't told him other than what he had to do. 
didn't give him an explanation. Look at your go and read that. You've got Simpson right over there. But here, what did he do? He instantly responded. Genesis 22, verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey, and took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. Do you remember why God first called Abraham to leave his home and follow him? This is what Abraham did, Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham went called to God to a place where he would later uh, receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went to We said inheritance. Don't get the inheritance of the death. This time the call was for him to sacrifice his son, the hardest journey that he would ever be called to make a three-day journey of pain and sorrow and anticipation. What's it all about? And when the sight of the mountain Abraham leaves his servants, his donkey. And get this bit, get the picture. He walks alone with his son Isaac. You get that? Everybody else is left behind. Servants at home, servants, you stay there. And Abraham, the father, walked alone with his son Isaac. Knew him what he was going to have to do. Isaac is carrying the wood. Isaac will later be bound to that wood and placed on the altar. Jacob is carrying fire and a knife. These are words of deep meaning in, in the words that Abraham said to his servants as he and Isaac walked away. Get the picture. He's leaving them behind. Father and son go on together to the altar. But listen to what Abraham said when he left those servants behind. Wait here while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. That's tremendous words. How often do we miss the importance of those words? First of all, wait here while we go and sacrifice my son. What does he call it? Worship. That's true worship. Worship is singing. That's great. Worship is praise. But you don't just do it when you're singing. This was an act of obedience, an act of an ultimate act of worship. And then, and this is it, while you're waiting here, and when we've done that, we, me and my son, are coming back to you. How strong is that? Faith is the outcome of trusting in the unknown. How does Abraham have that faith? Because he knows that his God is a God of miracles. 
a God who fulfills the promise, a God who has the power. Yes, he gave life. Abraham and Sarah had a child when it was impossible to do so, but God made it so. And if he has the power of life, Abraham's the God. He must have the power over death. So even when that knife goes in and Isaac's heart stops, God has the power to bring him back. This is the faith of Abraham. And it was tested to the utmost. Let's not forget Isaac. He was a young lad. Wasn't, wasn't a baby, wasn't a child. Probably a lot stronger than his father. His father was <laughs> in his hundreds or whatever, you know. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, this is why they're walking. Father, yes, my son Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where's the lamp for the burnt offering? He'd been thinking as well. He was working things out. He was, he was slightly ahead of the game. Something missing here. He tells his father what it is. I wonder what his thoughts were. I wonder how he was feeling. This young man would go on to maybe help his father build the altar or at least stand and watch while his father built the altar, collecting stones. Maybe he collected the stones for him. You know, the ones that maybe Abraham couldn't bend down and lift, you know? He allowed his father to bind him to the wood and to place him on the altar. And then he would have looked up and he would have seen his father raise the knife and start to bring it down to kill him. From the text, we see Isaac as being the willing sacrifice. You get in the picture of what happened here? Then God speaks. Do not lay a hand on the boy. I don't think this was a big loud shout. I think this was a, a cry of love. Abraham, you trust me. The angel, who was the angel? It might have been Jesus himself. That sometimes happens in scripture. And it would have been, I'm sure, as Abraham was bringing his hand down, maybe a touch on Abraham. Maybe just gently move the hand back, I don't know. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not give anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Thirdly, what's the point of it all? Is this all about Abraham and Abraham's faith and God seeing how strong Abraham's faith is and he's testing him? No, no, that is part of it. But God knew what Abraham would do. He just wanted this to happen. 
He wanted it to be documented. He wanted people to know about it. He wanted the, 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 the tribe of Israel, the nation of Israel, the tribe of Judah. He wanted the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees in the New Testament when Jesus came and brought the good news. He wanted them to know about this when they saw Jesus hanging on a cross. This is why it happened. Remember Kipling? The question, why? People say, why could God do that? Like, loving God. Oh no, God would never do that. Oh, child sacrifice. Well, no, no, God would. No, he wouldn't, and he didn't. But he'd do something else. And he wants us to see the importance of that something else. God was not going to let Abraham kill his son. God wanted Abraham and us to see that salvation would be how? By way of death and resurrection. Get that? By death and resurrection. And the picture here is the father and the son, the love between them. It's all here. The heartache, the pain, the willingness. Not Abraham, not his only son, but God and his one and only son, Jesus. Who's that? The Lamb of God, the sacrifice that would be the once and all for perfect sacrifice. God said to Abraham that he would provide a lamb. Did he provide a lamb for Abraham? No, he didn't. Read the text. He provided a ram. Because the lamb is the lamb of God. That's who's the center. The one under the super trooper is the lamb of God that hasn't come yet. But Abraham is he's not only getting a beautiful picture of this, horrific as it is, he's experiencing it for you and I so that we can feel it like he did because we can't feel it like God did. We're not able to do that. It's even more powerful than that. But this is the most powerful thing that we can deal with. That Abraham told me. That gave us a picture of what God would do. This letter from Hebrews was probably written, and get this, these facts are good, you know. This is the question, where was the letter to Hebrews written? Well, experts tell us that the letter was probably written about 30 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Ah, how about that? These are new Christians who were Jews, they're still Jews, but they moved away from the old covenant. And they are Christian Jews under the new covenant who have accepted the death and resurrection of Christ and Jesus as their saviour. And this letter is being written then. And this event only happened on the cross in Jerusalem, on Calvary's Hill, 30 years previous. How long was it since the people got ahead? For me, it was yesterday. And that's not a hint of a song, that's you. It's just a phrase. But it feels like yesterday. 30 years is nothing. And when these people, some of whom 
might have witnessed the actual crucifixion. Others might have heard Jesus preach when they were in Jerusalem. 30 years has passed. They might have been children. They might have been young adults. They might have been older people who were now 70. But it was still within their lifetime that Jesus was crucified. So this would have been fresh in their minds and they would have been familiar with the life of Abraham. And they would have been familiar with what we read in chapter 22 of Genesis. And they would see, you know, the lights would come on when they read that letter. Well, yeah, now we see how God could ask Abraham to do that. Why Abraham would do it. And what was really meant in that act. The sacrifice made by God carries a cross that is beyond, as a cost that is beyond our imagination. And the giving of his only son, who he loved, is beyond our feelings. A son who is faithful to the will of his father unto death. How Jesus was described faithful to his Father's will unto death. Jesus, the willing sacrifice. John 14 verse 28 to 31, the promise of and the end. Let's read that again. The promise of and the need for the Holy Spirit. So this is when Jesus is going to leave the disciples the Holy Spirit is going to come, they're going to have a difficult time, but they're going to be helped. Listen to what he says here. You hear me say that I'm going away and I'm going, I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming in me, has no hold over me. But he comes, this is the Holy Spirit, so that you, that, so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father commanded me. There's the picture of Isaac. What the writer of the Hebrews wants us to know is the awesomeness and the awfulness of the price that is paid to secure our salvation. The faith of the Son who hung on the cross willingly. And the importance that the sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus is to us today. These events in Genesis 22 occurred in the land of Moriah. That's what you read. We read it earlier. Go to the land of Moriah. Moriah. It's a very important place and it's very significant to the Israelites and it was in the days 
of the letter to the Hebrews as it is today. There is a bit of information. 2 Chronicles 3 verse 1 Then Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord. Yeah. In Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. Yeah. The place where Abraham was called to offer his son. Mount Moriah is sometimes referred to as Mount Zion. It's the same place. It's the place where God spared Abraham's son. Jerusalem. In the land of Moriah. Mount Moriah, where Jesus preached. The place where God did not spare his son. So we pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of it. We just ask that you help us to see this passage in its true light. It's a passage that is often used to belittle the God of love. You are also a God of judgment. You are also a God who makes a promise that will never break. And a God who gave the one who he loved because he loved us. And the one who he loved came willingly because he loves us. Amen.